0: Hello and welcome to the episode of Video Game Logic. Today's episode was recorded on March the 24th, 2020. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, joining someone in his bunker.
1: Caffeine Rage.
0: On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing games we played, and we've got a few. Uh, GameStop's coronavirus measures are sorely lacking, uh, and we will have a weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. How are you today? As if we haven't been talking for a long time, discussing things like sucking dicks and uh, internet speeds.
1: Uh, Tune in
0: to your local Franken content the next time that comes out.
1: Which, to be honest, you know, uh, sucky dick in uh, your internet speed. You know, your internet does kind of suck dick, so.
0: Yeah. Yep. I mean, the, the short version of the discussion we just had is that the internet is a fucking utility. We've all known it for a long time, and this proves it. And because the infrastructure is so bad, I'm getting a whopping 15 megabits down when I pay for 120 and yes I know cable for anyone listening I know cable is not dedicated you share but because so many people are using internet right now I'm only getting I'm getting less than 10% of what I pay for
1: yeah I'm, I'm pulling about half of what I pay for yeah a little bit less
0: which is still double half of what you are paying for is still more than double what I'm paying for but that's okay
1: uh, Actually, it's closer to three times.
0: It's closer to three times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so, you're rubbing it in. You're making me feel bad. Feel worse. Well, I turn my uh, feel bads into feel bads.
1: Well, my uh download speed's back up a bit. It's, I'm sitting at 378.38. Uh, and my upload is actually better than what I'm paying for right now at 51.27.
0: That's good. Good what? indeed. I'm very proud of you. I'm very happy the, for you. Uh,
1: uh, uh, you say it like that, but the only thing I hear is, I'm very proud of you here. <laughs> I'm
0: <laughs> Yep, that sounds about right. Oh, oh, mine's up. I'm at 17 right now.
1: Woo. Woo. One more and you'll be legal. Yay. But then uh, Trump won't uh, be interested in you anymore and you, know, you won't be able to suck his dick.
0: I won't be able to suck his dick for faster internet speeds. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, but of course you're going to have to fight off my uh, governor to be able to suck Trump's dick. To be perfectly honest,
0: it's just uh, move over. Let me hit them for a minute. I need my faster internet speeds. <laughs> you can get back to it later.
1: <laughs> well, to be perfectly honest, uh, whatever he talks, it does sound like he's actively sucking his dick. Now that I think about it. For, for those who uh, never uh, heard him, go uh, look. For... Okay, look at pretty much any speech. With Jim Justice. And he sounds like he has someone to take in his mouth all the time.
0: He's also very hard to listen to because he rambles a lot.
1: Uh, he's... I would say he's worse than Trump. Trump at least stops at some point.
0: Yeah, that's saying something. Like, normally Trump is like the lowest bar. But in that one respect, Trump is a pretty fucking high bar. So...
1: I mean, if you get him talking about nuclear, you know, then... The, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. So talking <laughs> about the nuclear.
1: Yeah, you know, he has a he had an uncle that was in nuclear. You know, smart guy, great genes.
0: Nuclear. Great genes <laughs> for the nuclear. Nu- nuclear.
1: No, that was W. <laughs> w. W. I actually wish we had W right now instead of Trump.
0: Yeah. So, to move us towards something that's even slightly remotely what we uh, are doing our show about, um, I said last week, I w- after I got all my PC parts in, I was going to talk about a little bit about my upgrade saga and the problems I've had. For the most part, pretty good. Uh, I got a GTX 1070 Ti um, to put in my machine. Um got a beefier power supply Got a new case that's bigger has more space in it i um, actually doing some proper airflow management i've got two fans in the front two fans in the back they're both sucking air in and i've got two fans in the top that blow the air out the top so the front airflow is a little weak honestly i was expecting that because of the um the front of the case which i don't you might have heard me tap on it just then um a little louder than i expected but uh, anyways, that's working out pretty well. My CPU temps are getting pretty high um in gaming, higher than before. I'm a, like based on a lot of research I did um without overclocking, the 1070ti was the most performance I could squeeze out of it without my CPU becoming a huge bottleneck. And I think especially in pretty intense, more modern games, it's just pushing my uh, CPU up towards its max, which, you know, of course it would. So I'm getting temps that are causing it to thermal throttle, like we're getting up into the 90 degrees Celsius range. So I've uh, disabled my um, whatever Intel's like automatic clock boost thing is, um, which is keeping that under control because uh, it's keeping it limited to 4 gigahertz instead of 4.4, boosting it up to 4.4 um even doing that i've noticed like a 40 to 50% performance boost um in games where that um i was purposefully limiting it to 60 fps um so getting up to say 90 fps at the same settings or being able to maintain 60 at higher settings and then certain games um being able to run them properly all the time at 120 or 144 fps so that is just beautiful um i've got 32 gigs of um ddr3 1833 megahertz i think is is what that ram is clocked at not the fastest you can get ddr3 in without overclocking but um honestly like the only reason I did that was because there was a really super good deal on it, um, and I thought, eh, what the hell, you know, why not? So, actually, I've noticed some pretty big performance improvements in non-gaming with 32 gigs of RAM, and I really didn't think I would benefit that much from it, but um, since I still run a lot of applications off of a hard disk, being able to load everything at once makes a huge difference, which, I mean, duh, but... I just didn't realize quite how much I was still being limited by uh, my hard disk for certain things. Um, my my biggest problem was this new board that I got. So I, I got a, a new motherboard. Um, I was using a mini ITX. Um, and I wanted to go to a full ATX board so I'd actually have space for some expansion. I, I had thought about doing a dual GPU setup, but... Between some things that you had said and then some more research, I did that's there's really no point, um, for gaming. Maybe if I did a lot more like video editing and rendering, it would be beneficial, but I don't. Um, so but I do want to have some expansion thoughts for some other stuff because there's I mean, there's a ton of things you can do and mess around with, and um, I get more and more all the time into building PCs as a hobby, uh, so. I wanted to have the extra room for expansion. And the board that I got has support for an M.2 drive. What did you just send me? Oh, uh, something for later. Okay. Um, but so the board's got support for an M.2 drive, both the M.2 SATA, uh, standard and then the NVMe standard. So I thought, ah, oh, sweet, M.2. <clears throat> I want to get like a one or a two terabyte SSD anyways and make that my primary gaming drive. Um, I've got a small SSD as a boot drive and a couple of games on there, but for the most part, I still use a hard disk for my, uh, to put most of my games on. So I thought, well, I'll just get a M.2 drive because after I did some looking around and I don't know what it is. I don't know if sort of the pricing on them have finally leveled out or if maybe because of current world events and markets, all of their prices are about the same, but there was only about a 10 to $20 difference between a standard SSD and the two M.2 standards to get a reputable drive like Western Digital or, or, um, Samsung or Kingston, something like that. So, uh, I went ahead and got an M.2 SATA drive, um, and that didn't work. Uh, apparently I did a lot of troubleshooting on the, on the board. Um, apparently M.2 SATA was really finicky on this board and only certain specific drives were actually supported. I could not find the official support list. I'm sure it's somewhere, but I kind of gave up and didn't want to spend 8,000 hours searching for it. So then I was like, well, I'll just return this. Um, you know, I can, it's within the, the limit to just return it. Um, and I got an NVMe drive instead, because everyone was saying those are more widely supported. And so, got that in, spent three or four hours trying to get it to work, and it did not. Um, so, I don't know if it's also just not a supported drive, or, you know, if that drive is not supported. I don't know if I've got a dead board. I don't know... Like, there were some people that were saying you could do a lot more with a custom BIOS, but I'm sure as hell not flashing this board with a custom BIOS. I don't want to brick it. Um, especially after, you know, all the money and effort I've spent on it. So, um, I kind of just gave up. I thought about returning that one and getting just a standard SATA drive. I've got like four, three or four hard drive bays open and f- four unused SATA three ports or SATA 3 connectors on the board itself. But I got to looking again because of the price comparison. Um, getting a 1 terabyte standard SSD was going to be about the same as just keeping the NVMe drive. It, it was going to cost me a little bit more to go for either a, a a different kind of adapter like getting a PCIe M.2 adapter to use for boards that don't have, you know, M.2 um slots on them. Um, but those could be finicky too because the the reputable ones that actually have controllers on the board as opposed to relying on some type of motherboard BIOS support are more expensive. Um, eventually I decided to go with an external enclosure um, that uses USB 3.1. I don't think this board supports 3.1. It does support 3.0 though, um, which means that I can still get tran- theoretical max transfer speeds of about 550 megabytes a second. Which is way faster than a hard disk. Um, I've actually got, cause I pulled, I went through a phase where I was buying like busted laptops and shit and repairing them and selling them. And I would always pull out the best stuff and keep for myself. And I've got a 120, uh, 120 gigabyte SSD that I pulled out of one, bought like a $10 enclosure and have used that to do some experimenting with like running games external on an external drive. And a few other programs that I've used to do some uh, uh, custom benchmarking and and like just other stuff like video editing and stuff off of an external drive like how, you know how well does it work and it, it's a cheaper like less reputable drive and I'm still able to get like um, sequential read and write speeds of around 300 megabytes a second so not as fast as SATA three but two or three times as fast as as a hard disk and that to sort of my perception is unnoticeable. Like it just feels like it's really fast. So even if I only was able to get three or 400 megabytes uh, transfer speeds using the SIM.2 drive with um, and an external enclosure by USB, I'm happy with that. And then I'll just have it for when I do a full hardware refresh, fingers crossed, in a couple of years. Um, I'll just have it. And then I can just slot that into a machine that has a lot more support and compatibility for the m.2 formats so that has been my adventure i got i had some extras that i bought but due to the ongoing apocalyptic scenario uh shipping of certain things is um difficult and i've worked in shipping before and something as quote small as you know, a natural disaster can cause shipping delays or cancellations, and this is a fucking worldwide pandemic. So I don't mind that someone was like, "Hey, I can't ship you your computer part right now. Sorry." Like that doesn't bother me. So, um, I'll probably get a few other things later. Like I want to get um, a a Wi-Fi, uh, nick that has Bluetooth built in on it, just because. Like I don't plan on using the actual um. Wi-Fi part of it, but you never know, you know, like if something happens and the cabling in my house gets chewed apart by a rat, well, then that means that my gaming rig is unusable for anything until I get that fixed, you know, something like that. And they're so cheap, so cheap. So got one of those and I'm having to order a new cooler. Uh, the one that I did order to to replace because my CPU, like I said, running hot under load, um, that was also canceled. So I'm having to order another one and I'm probably just going to wait until all of this dies down. Because, I mean, it at, at load, it's running at something like 70 degrees uh, Celsius, bumping on up into the 80s, which is a little hot, but it's not making it thermal throttle. And that's not going to kill my CPU in, in the long run. Well, I mean, it might in the long run, but for a few weeks to a few months, that's not really going to destroy it. So, yay, computers. Woo! This has been the the PC hardware portion of the podcast. Now we'll bring you to the games. Unless you have anything you want to add. Uh
1: not really. But it looks okay. like uh, Bernie Sanders won the Utah Presidential Primary.
0: Yay, Bernie Sanders. I'm just I saying, love you. No
1: reading news.
0: <laughs> I'd suck his find- dick for fun. <laughs> I'm
1: just trying to find something that's not coronavirus
0: really at this point. That's pretty hard these days. Um, But let's talk about something that's not Corona, something else that's not coronavirus related. Uh, So last week we mentioned, and I cleared out all the topics. uh, Who was it that was bringing a bunch of the indie demos uh, Uh, to Steam? Jeff Keighley? uh, uh,
1: No, I I don't recall. Uh, To be honest, last week feels like, you know, two years ago at this point.
0: Yeah, maybe it's still down here. I haven't cleared out yeah jeff Keeley uh brought forty free game demos to Steam. I made all the cancelled trade shows, so you and I each played a decent chunk of those demos. maybe we didn't play all of them. It's not like we paid like twenty, oh, but we each picked out yeah. several that looked interesting to us and played them and for the most part there was there was only a minimal amount of overlap, so um we're gonna have a bunch of games to talk about. I've got yeah, six for once, yeah, I've got six and you've got five.
1: Yeah, which we have one shared, so we'll save that one for less. So All right. uh, how it plays out, you could go first.
0: Yep, so my first game is Carrion, or Carrion. Um, this was announced at last year's E3 by Devolver Digital, and it's a horror game where you play the horrible monstrosity. Um, you're like some kind of creature. I assume the actual full game will explain it more thoroughly. Um, who breaks out of a lab and starts killing all of the lab staff, um, and mutating and growing. Um, this was the longest demo I played. It was about 20, 25 minutes. Um, and this is a really good game. I was... Watching it, I was very interested watching it being shown off, um, last year, but I was unsure how it was going to control because it, the monster moves around extremely quickly, um, and is just vicious, like eviscerating and eating people and blood and guts everywhere. Like, I didn't know how all of that was going to work. And it's pretty, It's it's super simple. It's just you drag the mouse around on screen and the monster crawls climbs jumps swims through there but it feels it's like that's super simple and sounds like it wouldn't matter but it feels really good you feel like yeah i'm like this really powerful monster that can eat people and break through giant steel doors and sling robots around it's interesting how they've made it feel by being so simple and that's just right click and you drag around and then left click um, is how you grab things with your tentacles. And you can do stuff with different things with them based on what you're grabbing. Like you can grab doors or other um, doors, steel grates, desks, chairs, people, robots, whatever. You can grab them and fling them around to either kill or damage them or to kill or damage other things. Um, you can use that to pull a human towards you. And you consume their biomass, which obviously kills them, and that heals you and makes you grow larger. And the larger in size you get, the bigger things you can, you know, grab and throw around and smash. Um, but growing larger sometimes has disadvantages too. Like you can be really sneaky when you're small. The levels have have got multiple paths through which you can navigate. So if you're the, a small creature you can easily crawl through a bunch of vents and stay off the radar of the space Marines. Um, Cause those guys are actually powerful, um, but you can sort of stay out of their way where if you're the bigger monster, you can kind of squeeze through, but because you're heavy, you droop from the ceiling and can fall down if you're not careful and then you get spotted and, and can be killed. Um, the normal humans, like the scientists and then like the security guards with like pistols, are just fodder. But the um, robots, the, the sentry turrets and droids, and the actual soldiers are really tough um, and require a bit of strategy, at least at the point where I was in the game. You have special abilities. Um, there are two that there was access to in the demo. One was like this lunging spike strike that could destroy most anything in one hit, except for the soldiers, which have energy shields. Um, and that, that was when you were a large creature, and then when you were small, you had, like, this dash, um, where you could lunge at and tackle a single, uh, entity, so a person or a sentry bot or something, and if it was a person, you tackled them and consumed them. Um, the art style and the music are both really good. The music is creepy, but in an upbeat way, if that makes sense, um, typically horror games are, like, really spooky. And this is, like, if you took that and then turned the tempo up on it a little bit so that it's not quite as spooky, but it's more like a scary techno type of sound. Because um, it's, like, you know, it is, a, like, a creepy, scary game, but you're the scary thing, not the people being scared. So, two thumbs up. I really like this game. I I was pretty sure I was going to buy it just based on watching the footage from um, and the gameplay from... Uh, Last year at E3, but after playing it like 100% when this game comes out, I'll buy it. I would easily pay $20, $25 for this game. Like, no problem. Two thumbs up. Recommend.
1: Okay, which leads me to my first one, which was Heavenly Bodies. Which sounds like, uh, well, something a bit different than what it is. (laughs) <laughs> Heavenly Bodies is a- essentially a combination of uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the space game I was thinking of before, but I'm blanking on it now. But it's essentially grow up or grow home, only you are a cosmonaut in a 1970s space station where – Okay, so first off, the demo was limited to 10 minutes, and I only played through it once. I could have probably gotten a little bit further after getting used to the controls because it is a little bit wonky. But you are in zero G, and you are in a space station. And the game, at least at the time uh, of recording with the demo, does not support keyboard and mouse at all. It is controller only, and it's using the thumbsticks. One thumbstick for the left, one thumbstick for the right arm, and then the bumper to uh, the bumper uh, buttons to draw on your legs left and right with the triggers uh, grasping. And the idea is you grab and pull yourself along with a bunch of uh, debris in the station. You have just free floating stuff, you know, boxes that sort of thing, and it has you try to all uh, right take part in different tasks like going outside uh, blowing the airlock and spacewalking along the uh, station to uh, extend a solar panel uh, to uh, call mission control uh, to uh, replace a lever that's broken on a door that sort of thing and it sounds very simple but it really gives you an, an appreciation of Just how coordinated astronauts, or in this case, I guess you could say cosmonauts, have to be in order to really do anything. As a matter of fact, in real life, it's actually possible for a person to get stuck in a space station just by being stuck in the middle of a room without anything to grasp on. And it's very exhausting to be able to wiggle themselves to essentially push against the air to get anywhere. So this kind of is in that situation where there's no up. You know, you could constantly reset the camera to reset your orientation, but it's uh, it's a very interesting concept, and it is pl- uh, playable by, uh, via co-op. And it's going to be interesting to see just how much that changes if uh, you know your partner could screw you over. Uh, I don't. Think it's uh, online, at least not yet. I mean, you know, demos are demos. So overall, it's a very interesting game. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to be uh, full. uh, It's uh, full price, but it's definitely one to look out for, especially if you have a soft spot for space games. And it does seem to be more mission uh, focused. So with uh, various missions taking on various uh, routines and possibly different space stations as well. So yeah, it's one to look out for Uh, heavenly bodies. Uh, Any questions?
0: Uh, Is it, you said how, if you're, if the, your co-op partner or whatever could screw you over, but, is it like a competitive thing? I feel well, like, well, 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 like it's a Well, the tag says uh, shared, uh,
1: split co-op and sp- uh, shared split screen co op and shared split screen PvP. Oh. So I guess in theory, you could screw one another over, perhaps a magical style where, you know, accidentally on purpose. Because one example of this was uh, whenever I went through the airlock, uh, there was an option to disconnect the uh, umbilical. Mm -hmm. and you're constantly in a spacesuit, but whenever you blow the airlock, you're able to, uh, you know, if you don't decompress it properly, it just kind of ejects you because it's blowing all the atmosphere out that's in the airlock. Well, there's a possibility that a co-op partner could, you know, accidentally on purpose disconnect that umbilical or also, you know, blow the airlock before you're ready because there's a action where you have to actually manually go over and connect to the umbilical so uh, this is a co-op but with uh, hazards essentially at least as far as I'm able to tell Uh, let's see Uh, looks like they're looking to use uh, Steam's remote play together uh, Mm -hmm. instead of uh, doing full on uh, a proper multiplayer mode which is a little disappointing so, and they're planning to launch in 2021. So it's going to be interesting to see how this one plays out in the long run of things, because it is a interesting game. The, and like I said, it really kind of ha- highlights just the hazards and complications of space travel. Uh, realistic space travel, I guess I should say, where, yep. A simple thing on the ground that would take, you know, half an hour to do is, you know, a multi day uh, series of spacewalks, that sort of thing. Yeah. But
0: the, re- the reason that I asked is because watching, like, the looking at a couple of screenshots and then watching the preview video on Steam makes it look like it's cooperative. And then you said, you know, if your partner screwed you over, I'm like, oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, but it's it's one of those I, things that, Oh, oh shoot! What was it? Uh, Moonbase Alpha. Uh, there was a free uh, uh, multiplayer. Uh, yeah, Moonbase Alpha, where it's a, a co-op experience, but you could get screwed over by your uh, partner by, you know, malice or just you know, incompetence.
0: Gotcha. That sort of thing. Yeah.
1: That's the way I'm taking it with uh, the co-op PvP uh, aspect, where there's the chance that, you know, know, your friend could accidentally do something. Or, you know, maybe thinks it's funny to blow the airlock when you're not ready and uh, send you off into uh, space. So, yeah, uh, an interesting one. So you're up next.
0: Yeah, my next one is uh, called Neon Noodles, Cyberpunk Kitchen Automation. Um, yeah, this is
1: one I looked at and thought about playing, but I didn't get around to it.
0: Um, I don't know. I think you would have a better chance of liking this one than I did. It's not a bad game. It just isn't really something that I'm super into. It's essentially you're creating super basic programs um, with these robots to make dishes um and the whole thing is uh cyberpunky, you know everything's got neon and looks like it's in the middle of a city but the tutorial or the, the tutorial the the demo was like the first 10 levels which serves as the tutorial and then you get mm-hmm. a couple they're like okay here's everything you i know, guess make, when make, i make looked this. at this
1: i I, th- I thought it was more Factorio esque but this looks at, uh, actually more like a, a opus magnum
0: Yeah, that's literally what I was about to say. Um, When I looked at it at a glance to download and play it, I thought it was something like, you know, Factorio or whatever. But then when I did play it, it looked or it felt a lot more like playing Opus Magnum, but less. Freeform? Let's see. Yeah, less freeform, less cool to watch less satisfying. So Opus Magnum because of the the way that it's art style and sort of that it's like Opus Magnum is alchemy, right? Or magic uh, like it's you're alchemy, creating. But, but
1: the thing is also I'm just looking at the gif on here that shows you how it works. Uh, uh Opus Magnum has enough space. I think that's the problem with this is that at least the couple levels that I'm seeing here they feel very constrained.
0: Yeah. So, Every level that I uh, so, played was very constrained. So there
1: is probably like one or two, you know, like an optimal solution. And there's maybe one or two alternate solutions and things like opus magnum space, Kim, uh, that sort of thing. They gave you enough space to be able to tour around with it. And I think that's going to be its downfall for this is that yes, there is the possibility of alternate solutions, but there's always going to be you know, just that, like a space.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, you, you stole the words right out of my mouth and you didn't even play it. Like you, that's exactly how I played enough of these games. (laughs) It was, it was, it was very cramped and constrained and that was fine for the tutorial. I kept waiting for it to open up, but it never did. And I, I mean, looking at everything they've got here, like everything is sort of the same grid size and you have to optimize your grid. And perhaps somebody is very into that. I, I, would bet there are people who are into it, but I, I feel like there are better games out there that do this. I mean, again, it's not bad. It's certainly functionable. Um, you know, if you very like the cyberpunk aesthetic, like that's a neat thing. And I and I like the fact that you're making ramen. Like, that's neat. You know, that's just a cute little theming thing. But other than that, yeah, I just didn't like it all that much. For me it, it would be a pass.
1: So Okay, well, I'm going to skip my next one because uh, I pretty much kind of stole that one for you. And uh, we'll save that one for last and go to Chikori, A Colorful Tale. (laughs) So this is essentially a a Zelda-like game with a coloring aspect to it. So you play essentially the janitor of uh, the holder of the magic paintbrush that colors this world. And she is awesome. They, they highlight that pretty much immediately, talking about how you know amazing she uh, is at coloring everybody's world. And then suddenly, uh, as you're cleaning uh, up the basement, everything goes black and white, and you start looking around and you find a uh, uh, oh shoot. I'm blanking on the uh, the rabbit's name. Uh, you find her magic paintbrushes, which is co- what colors the world. Uh, so you start painting in everything, but it's a lot more basic than what it was before. You know, it's uh, essentially the uh, dump tool or the you know, paint bu- bucket tool from uh, Microsoft Paint instead of, you know, this ultra, you know, uh uh watercolor you know, masterpiece. And it's essentially a an adventure trying to figure out what happened and... Slowly, as you expand bosses or expand uh, your uh, uh, repertoire by defeating bosses and adding new abilities, exploring the world and uh, going on a grand adventure. I mean, it's not bad. It seems very basic right now, but it's also uh, it's coming out in twenty two uh, X. They don't have a set release date at all. It's still very early. Uh, and when I played, it actually was enjoyable, but it was also pretty short. And it's also local co-op only once again. So, I mean, they say, they said it right here. It's like Zelda in a coloring uh, book world with a dash of Animal Crossing, which I didn't get to the Animal Crossing aspect. There was a couple of places where you could stop and talk to people and color in their houses. And they'd say, no, 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 you, you could do like, uh, don't do this instead, which felt more tutorialistic. So I'm not sure if that's uh, expanded on later on or what. Uh, But at least in the beginning, it's pretty basic. But again, these games usually are, at least in the beginning. So it's something to look towards. Maybe it just depends on how they expand it later on. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, not a bad game. It's still in the very early stages, though. So it's tough to really give judgment. But I'll check it out later.
0: Nice. So my next one is called "We Should Talk." This was the most. Oh, excuse me. This was the one that I'm most intrigued by. "We Should Talk" is a conversation simulator, Um, where that you are having pretty in-depth conversations with people. Um, at this bar, uh, and it's, you've got multiple parts of sentences that you can, you can put together. So, like, for example, the bartender walks up to you, or whenever you walk up, the bartender's like, Hey, what do you drink? What are you having to drink tonight? And you can pick between, like, some drinks. And you can be like, I want a scotch on the rocks, or I want, um, a a seltzer water and, like, a vodka tonic. Like, you can pick different drinks. You can, whenever you have conversations with the, the bartender or your girlfriend uh, on the phone, you can string together different things. So, like, there's a, a, a serious conversation that can pop up about your girlfriend and her parents um, and the way that they treated her when she was a kid. Um, and you can be supportive, dismissive, somewhere in between, and you can string together things that don't seem to make sense but kind of can like conversation can be very emotional and so you can respond in a way that's kind of passive aggressive or sort of in a like negging um, by mixing and matching two three four parts of a sentence together before you respond to the conversational partner um there's one that's you get sent that's kind of playful about, like, you get a text that's kind of playful from your girlfriend about, like, um, you know, she made uh, ramen noodles for dinner. And she was like, oh, I was hoping that we could, like, sit on the couch and slurp ramen noodles and watch some TV and hang out tonight. And you can respond, like, kind of silly and be like, yeah, we can totally slurp some noodles later. Or you can say, like, um, how about we get some nudes in? and it's like spelled like n o o d s but then that's like sort of a, a sly response and your girlfriend's like are you flirting with me and you can be like oh yeah baby that's it, it, the conversations can go in very different directions i the, i played through it like four times and the first two times i played through it i got very similar conversational responses and i was like oh man maybe i'm like you know, maybe this isn't as cool as I first thought it was. But then I thought, you know what? I need to, like, mix and match some of this a little bit better. So, like, the first time I played through, I was pretty genuine and and kind, just kind of how I generally am. And then the second time, or the first two times I did that with, like, some small variations on things to sort of explore the conversational depth. But then, like, one time I was an asshole, and got drastically different responses from all the characters. That one caused the demo to end in like three minutes. Like the first two times I played through it were between five and five and ten minutes apiece, I would say. But when I was an asshole and like shut down every conversation by being a dick, it was like boop boop boop. Alright, that's the demo. See ya. Um, there's just a lot of variety here, and I love these sorts of things. Like these attempts at realistic conversational threads that we can pull on and how we can respond and interact like even in this short demo i had some a little bit of uh you know feelings towards the the characters that were portrayed um you've got three three characters so far that you can play or can interact with in the demo the first is your own character because of the way that you have so much control and like fine control and the way that you can respond to the other people you interact with you can kind of like you're your own character that you can interact with in this fascinating way that i don't think i've ever seen in a game before even like rpgs and stuff where it's like oh you're the character and you can say and do what you want um but uh, then there's the bartender that you talk to briefly when you first start the demo, which kind of sets some of the tone for, I think, the atmosphere of the bar that you're in. Because you can respond with um, uh, some stuff about yourself, like why you're at the bar, why your girlfriend's not there, because the bartender recognizes you, that you're alone. And it's like, oh, hey, you've been coming here more often here lately. And you can be, like, sort of silly, or you can be like, yeah you know I don't know what to do you can go down this route of like alcoholism like yeah I think I might have a problem very interesting and can prompt some different responses there but there's the bartender and then the rest of the demo is you texting with your girlfriend who's not there um and uh she's a very complex well written character um and then there's two other characters that are mentioned like right away like there's some there's a stranger at the bar who's like eyeing you up and then there's a, a friend of yours that's there at the bar um and you can like you can say you can go talk to either one of them but the demo ends before you actually get to go talk to them so i'm fascinated by this um, i'm very interested in in where this is going typically games like this are trying to say something you know they're trying to make some type of statement or get us to think about things in a different way us being players so I'm uh, looking forward to when it comes out. This is another game that I would gladly, easily pay like 15, 20 bucks for. So, two thumbs up. Recommend if you like this type of thing. When it releases. It's supposed to come out like in a few months too. Summer 2020. So
1: yeah, it sounds uh, pretty interesting. Indeed. The, the question is just how long are they going to have this game, right? right what do you mean uh how just you- uh, just the length of it and how in-depth it goes how just uh, are we talking visual novel where we're looking at this massive for- uh, forking tree of different paths
0: i feel like this would be pretty good if it was like an hour for a playthrough mm-hmm. but it was it was very deep in in how far you could get into stuff like, that's one to two hours for a playthrough. So you could do a playthrough in a sitting, you could chew through kind of what you experienced, and then come back another time and approach it from a different way and see what else you can get to. Like, the the listing, like, looking reading the description of it makes it seem like this is some type of, like, puzzle. It's like, it, so it, the blurb says, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. But we should talk as a short-form narrative game that will make you think carefully about the words you choose. Can your relationship survive the night? And that makes it seem like... I don't know, more like a a visual novel or a puzzle game or something. But then playing it, it felt very sincere in a way that I wasn't expecting based on the description of it. So, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's uh, what I meant, though, is just uh, how essentially much does it fork? You know, how many endings does it have? Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, once I get it and play it, I will be sure to let you know. (laughs)
1: All right, so that brings me up to Spiritfarer, which you were pretty much sold on this immediately. You tried to play it, but you uh, had issues with the demo because you can hug everyone.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep, there's a specific like You can just walk up to people and hug them, and I'm all about them hugs.
1: Yeah, so this is essentially, I would say, Animal Crossing-esque meets The Afterlife. So, I'm just going to read the mark on the little blurb here. Supernatural, or sorry, uh, Spiritfarer is a cozy management game about dying. As a fairy ma- master to the deceased, build a boat to explore the world, care for your spirit friends, and guide them across mystical seas to finally release them into the afterlife. What will you leave behind? So, it is essentially a 2D town builder. On your boat, where you fulfill the quest to uh, essentially guide different creatures to the afterlife. Everything is some sort of animal. Like, the initial character that you meet is this snake in a robe. And it's absolutely awesome, by the way. Yes. Uh, there's, I want to say like three or four different characters on your boat to begin with. There's this giant frog that likes to eat and, uh, ha- teaches you to fish. There's a deer that, that teaches you to uh, garden and be able to uh, grow different vegetables. Uh, the, the frog also teaches you how to cook, even though it's a very basic cooking uh, uh, system. Uh, There's the snake. And I want to say there's one more, but I'm blanking on it. But it's, like I said, it's essentially a town, uh, a a small town builder uh, on a boat and you're off doing different missions and it feels a little bit Metroidvania-esque as well. As you do different missions, you unlock different power-ups. The first one that you unlock, at least in the demo, I should say the only one you unlock in the demo, is a, a double jump ability. So you have uh, a double jump and uh, pretty quickly to be able to navigate a little bit more. So, yeah, that leads me to a, a bit of Metroidvania on top of the uh, a town building-esque uh, simulator with a, a, possibly a little bit of Animal Crossing mixed in as well where you're interacting with different characters and getting to know them as uh, you learn some of their backstory and kind of how they ended up there. It has absolutely stunning, kind of like—I don't want to call it a simplistic art style, but sort of a low-detail watercolor-esque art style. Would that be the right way to describe it?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I didn't really think about that prior.
1: Yeah, it's just trying to discussion. figure out the aesthetic here. It's just, there's this very like clean uh, look to it that. But, but the uh, animations are exceptionally well done, especially in the demo. But then again, you know, demos are usually ho- pretty highly polished where there's a lot of emphasis on it being brightly colored and uh, I, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it. Uh, brightly colored, but a uh, bit of whimsy to it as well. Where you're guiding these lost souls off to the afterlife, essentially. And trying to fulfill their last wishes. It's going to be interesting to see where it actually ends up. It's planned to release sometime this year. And, well, hey, you could hug a deer, right? And uh, it seems like all my games so far has had the same uh, thing as well, where it's local co-op only, but it supports uh, Steam's remote play together. So that is, right?
0: Yeah. I, it was super cute. I'm still, like, super interested in getting this, even though it keep, the demo sort of just stopped within like two minutes, if I actually went to progress it, like I could wander around on the boat as much as I wanted to hug everyone as much as possible. And you bet your ass, I hugged everyone on that boat multiple times. Um, but then as soon as I go over to talk to the shark man to get the first house upgrade or whatever, uh, I, I could build it and then I would exit out of that conversation and then it would just sit there forever.
1: Yeah. Uh, for me, it ends pretty much, uh, Uh, doing one of the missions for the snake. So there's that. You know, it gets to a certain point and just stops. Which, you know, it is a demo to show off the general concept of the game. And like I said, it's sort of this Metroidvania meets town builder with a little bit of Animal Crossing mixed in. It's going to be interesting to see exactly where it goes and if there's some sort of overall theme. They don't really... Kind of highlight what this, what your character actually is. If you're the Grim Reaper, or if there's some sort of backstory to that as well. Like you're able to essentially generate these tools just out of light. Uh, you're able to generate uh, a, a saw to harvest plants. You're uh, uh, get a fishing pole. You know, all sorts of odd things. So it's going to be, like I said, uh, what they. Introducing that overall story. Or if it's... I, just, or if it's going to be just, you know, kind of a chillax game uh, about dying, right?
0: Yeah, I didn't... Now that you mentioned that, I think your character...
1: It's like uh, uh, Is
0: a psychopomp? Um, psychopops are sort of mythical uh, creatures um, mm-hmm. in, in various religions. They go by different names, but sort of the... Uh, at least as far as I know, um, terminology for them and like mythology and religion is psychopomps. But, it, but anyways, they help ferry lost souls to the afterlife. Um, and in different religions, they take on or mythologies, they take on different characteristics. Like think of like the Greek ferrymen, for example, who would, who would ferry people down like the river Styx. Like that's a psychopomp and um, Valkyrie's, uh from norse mythology they're psychopomps so i i think that's what your character is and it looks like like listening to you talk about it i hear a couple different elements of different mythologies in there so i mean i no idea just speculating wildly there's a there's a little bit of of that uh world um religion class i took in college for you um yay it paid off <laughs> eventually right event eventually um but yeah sorry i i uh, like listening oh, it's like right. it's fascinating like listening you talk about it like it's really fascinating and you know how i am like digging into the deeper meaning of stuff on a yeah. regular basis so
1: yeah uh, so uh, i guess uh, that's kind of the exchange you're able to fill in the blanks for me huh
0: yeah there we go um, was was that it? I kind of jumped yeah, in there. where you? Yeah, yeah, like
1: I said, it's uh, kind of this weird mixture of uh, uh, Animal Crossing meets uh, like almost a, a Harvest Moon esque game where there's a little bit of uh, farming, a little bit of fishing uh, with uh, some Metroidvania mixed in as well. But kind of this feel-good, cozy game as well about varying souls to the afterlife?
0: Yeah.
1: I mean... It's just this strange amalgam that, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to.
0: Yeah. It looks very interesting and cute and fuzzy. It gives me genuine warm fuzzies. Um, okay. So the next one that I played is called We Are The Caretakers. Um, this is an interesting mishmash of game genres that the demo lasted about 15 minutes. So hard to say. This game has got combination or mixtures of JRPG type battles with some real-time strategy elements of commanding these squads, wandering around a map. Um, there's um, some sort of city building or management parts of it. So on the back end that you're very briefly introduced to, There's like a research and tech tree, like a lot of strategy games. Um, This is an interesting mishmash that could go a bunch of different directions um, playing it out in the long run. But what made me the most interested in this game was the fact that it is an uh, Afrofuturist art style, which if you have no idea what that is, if you've ever seen, um, and, and I suspect most, if maybe not all of you have, uh, ever seen uh, Marvel's Black Panther movie that came out last year, I believe. Um, early last year. Uh, all of Wakandan technology and uh, sort of culture and uh, art styles and everything are Afrofuturist in nature. Um, and I think that this is something that has kind of come out of that, that introduced Afrofuturism to the larger cultural... Sort of mainstream, um, and it's a very cool aesthetic. It's got a very interesting. What's the right way to say? I mean, it's it is it's hip hop, but very subdued. I don't, I don't I'm not super well versed in like hip hop and and more modern R and B and stuff like that, so I don't have the best language to discuss this. But it's it's pleasantly in the background, like especially in like a battle and the music sort of ramps up a little bit. You're like, Oh yeah. Like that's really nice. Like I like this. Um, it controls sort of like the middle, uh, like final fantasy 13 sort of battle system where that you have squads and you sort of set their sort of squad ability or their squad posture. And they will do attacks on their own based on that. Um, But you have these large maps that have got little sectors divided up into them and uh, you can deploy up to six squads at a time that wander around the map and do scouting um, and you have objectives on the map. Like on the tutorial mission, it's pretty guided, pretty straightforward. But on the mission where it's opened up and lets you sort of wander around and do stuff, you've got these creatures that you're supposed to protect. Being the caretakers, you're this very advanced um, civilization that is the caretaker for nature and a more primitive population. And it doesn't... I get the impression that that you're an alien civilization and there's another alien civilization that has come to this planet, which it doesn't explicitly say is Earth. um, So it may or may not be. Um, But, like, you're in charge of of protecting the planet, its ecology, and the natural development of the... um, uh, the the natural flora and fauna, um, including... Like a primitive human like species that's on the planet. Um, so that's, that's where the we are the caretakers comes from. And so you're assigned to go around the map on the second mission and protect these creatures and then also like these tribes of people from poachers and, um, some invaders that want to kill them or, or take them. So it's, it's got a very, I mean, at least at first glance, interesting story. Like I like that principle. Um, in the way that it plays out, and like I said, I'm I loved the art style and the soundtrack so far, but it's a very odd mishmash. So I, I would give this one like a hesitant recommendation. If you know it, it, my description has made it sound interesting to you. I would just want to know more fully like how all these systems play out in the long run. So one thumb up.
1: Okay, so. I actually didn't get a chance to really look at that one. Uh, uh, well, like you said, it's... Uh, I skipped over it because it looked like it was going to be a little bit more in-depth than what I really wanted to play it. Uh, while we were talking Sunday. Yeah. So, it'll be... well. Uh, I keep saying interesting because uh, uh, there were so many interesting games in this list, huh? Or in this grouping, huh?
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: So, shall we just move along then to My Last Solo? Yep. So, My Last Solo was Haven, which has one of the more realistic relationships I've seen in video games. Uh, As in a, a couple... In a romantic relationship. Uh, Playing back and forth. Flirting. Joking about. It felt very natural. Like there was a lot of time spent. On uh, the relationship. Between the uh, lead guy and gal. That said. I'm not sure if I really want to play this. uh, The full game. So. It really has two parts. There's the sort of the in-between uh, l- levels, for lack of a better term. It's a, a sort of a pseudo-open world JRPG where there's a gathering aspect. Uh, there's a survival aspect, it feels like. And they didn't really highlight that all that well. Uh, and a, a uh, combat aspect, which I'll get to. And then there's, in between, there's this pseudo-visual novel where you're talking and developing the story and getting to know both these characters. Which, I'm blinking on their names and, uh, let's see... Uh, which they actually don't say on here. Uh, but, uh, the choices you, uh, uh, make impact their overall relationship, and maybe their strength of it over time. They've escaped from something, and they're being chased. don't really go into what, but you are essentially a a fugitive, or a parafugitive, I guess I should say, like a Bonnie and Clyde-esque situation, where you have to gather resources to survive, to eat, but also fuel for your ship, and While you're out in these uh, small open world areas, you're able to glide over the uh, grass and gather fruits and such, Uh, which uh, to give you an idea kind of interplay, uh, you find this uh, odd pepper that you'd never seen before. And uh, the guy's talking about being uh, really analytical, uh, doing some tests, doing some uh, uh, testing uh, to see if it's toxic and you know, uh, running some small samples and then maybe in a couple of days be able to try a little bit of it. And she just picks it up and pops it in her mouth and eats it <laughs> and says, oh, that's peppery. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't come off as a just a joke, but also you know, how these two really work, how she's really spun uh, more spontaneous and more carefree while he is more analytical and uh, uh, planning, uh, thoughtful. And uh, their dialogue back and forth uh, gets uh, uh, really plays off that. So, like I said, it feels like they spent a lot of time on that. Now, where the game kind of puts me off is the combat. So... Uh, It feels like it's meant to be played split screen co-op with your significant other. As a matter of fact, they even say to play solo or co-op with a special someone. And the combat, it's, it feels almost like a PS1 era Final Fantasy, where it's an active wait time or active time battle where uh, Tom progresses, and as you do your moves, uh, it advances Tom. But the way that they uh, do it is that, at least in solo, you're controlling both characters, and the moves are mirrored. So, uh, it's the directional pad, I think, and the face buttons. So... There's a, a shield that uh, each character can shield to reduce the da- incoming damage. An impact, which is a, a charge ability. Blast, which is... Or, or Impact is a melee ability. Blast is a ranged ability. And pacify is something you do to essentially... Uh, once an enemy is significantly weakened, to uh, remove this... Evil influence, which they don't really go into in the demo, from them to basically make them carefree and run off and you know do whatever. Uh, the problem is that it's hold down and wait until you uh, uh, essentially charge that ability enough, and it just feels very cumbersome to uh, to control both characters at the same time like that. On top of that. You're not choosing your targets because all the face buttons are essentially uh, tied up in these two characters uh, controlling them simultaneously. So you're kind of guessing at what you're uh, attacking and uh, trying to time shields uh, very quickly if something's attacking while you're at low health. I'm not sure if it's actually possible to die in the demo. I don't think it is. But it felt like I was taking out a lot of damage because uh, this combat system felt very cumbersome for at least a solo player. Which really, really puts me off of the main game. Which is a shame because it has a very interesting kind of JRPG. almost almost sort of this retro-futuristic feel to it, where everything is kind of low-tech but not. A sort of, like, 80s SAFA, only in a JRPG. Uh, the Japanese version of uh, 80s SAFA, I guess I should say. Everything mm-hmm. is kind of like uh, Dion and, uh but it's very, like I said, low-tech SAFA, for lack of a better term. I'm sure that there's a proper term for it, but... I'll be damned if I know it.
0: Retro futurist?
1: Well, well, while I was talking about uh, this particular... uh, Not quite retro futurist. Because... Whenever I think retro futurist, I'm thinking... You know, uh, bubble helmets, that sort of thing. You know, 50s-esque. Then this feels more like 80s, maybe 90s idea of sci but, yeah, you know, maybe that's uh, more of an over-encompassing term than I'm giving it credit.
0: i looking up yeah, it's the just, term retrofuturism.
1: Yeah, it just feels like it's... Uh, it, the combat system, I think, is uh, what the weakest part of it, at least for solo play. But it has this very interesting story and this very interesting uh, dialogue system and this very natural-feeling relationship between these uh. To uh, lovers, so yeah, we'll see if they uh, tighten up the combat or if it's uh, something that could eventually you'd get used to. But the demo just feels kind of blah.
0: Um, so I'm I'm paraphrasing uh, quite a bit here, but essentially, it's most loosely are most commonly associated with sort of early 20th century yeah, visions of the future but it actually applies at this point in time all the way up until the 1980s. Um, yeah, so that, so this is a little
1: too new uh, for retrofuturism because I would say more than 90s. 80s would be like uh, yo, yeah, a CRT's everywhere and that sort of thing. Yeah. But this is from the same developers that made Fury actually. So they could do really good combat yeah it just um, it just feels so cumbersome that that's what really puts me off of it but there's a, like one example is uh whenever you're talking about what happens if they catch up with uh you know whoever's chasing them catches up with them and you have a choice with the female character you know I'd kill them or I'd kill myself and you know it scares the other guy or you know it scares the male character yeah you know, that but depending on how you uh, react to it or different choices, it could strengthen or weaken the character or the their relationship. Or uh, earlier on, you could uh, try to talk about it over dinner. Uh, if you want to, you know, try to force the point of, you know, talking about this now or just, you know, wait and see what happens.
0: So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I played this super briefly, but I had an issue with the controller. It, what it was doing was it was picking up my hotas and my controller at the same time, and I could have fixed that, but I was lazy and didn't want to. So,
1: yeah, this uh had a thing where the it initially uh once again the demo is set for a very specific set, uh uh system. Mm-hmm. And it didn't pick up a swapping over from mouse and keyboard to controller properly. And because of that, whenever I turned on my controller, it made it go you know, crazy at first. And it has a very beautiful intro scene. You got to give it that much. Or, oh, yeah.
0: hundred percent.
1: Yeah. I mean, just this you know, psychedelic watercolor, almost anime intro.
0: Hmm.
1: So, uh, it's um, I, I'm just, I'm just so off, off put by that combat system. I, I, I really hope that that was like a placeholder for something more, or maybe this is set to be more of a co-op adventure, and you're not really supposed to control all, you know, both characters at the same time. They did say that the second player can drop in and uh, jump, join and drop out at any time and co-op uh, to share the adventure. So, it's something that you yeah, know you could play solo and then you know, have somebody jump in with yo know, that special someone.
0: That special someone.
1: Yeah. So it's supposed to release this year at some point. So yeah, this is something I'd like to take another look at when it comes
0: out. Yeah. Me too. Uh, my last solo game uh, is called Mystic Pillar. Mystic Pillar was a sort of a last-minute, like, oh, I'll check this out. Um, and it is a puzzle game. Um, you are a traveler who is exploring, and you find um, this region of land. Um, it's it's set in uh, India. I didn't realize that until I read the, the blurb about the game. It, it might have said that um during the opening but you and I were talking and so I you know I could have missed it if it said it but uh anyways it's set in india and you're a traveler and you come to the what whatever this place is and um there are these pillars that have appeared blocking off rivers some kind of magical pillars and um you happen to be someone who understands magic and you decide to help um, remove the pillars so that you can get the river flowing again, help the region, help commerce come back etc. Et um, and it starts out fairly straightforward. I mean it's the pillars have got um, essentially different amounts of light on them and you have to balance them according to whatever sort of the chart is. So if it's like makes an X for example, it might say you know or, or a cross or a plus sign there would be five points, five pillars, one in the middle, and then one sort of north, south, east, and west. And you had to get one point of light on each of the pillars. And the center one has five. So, you know, you put one on each one of them, that would leave one in the center, that would solve the puzzle. Um, some of them were really easy, uh, obviously, in the beginning. But then they were started to really ramp up in complexity. By the time I quit playing, there was a little bit of time left in the demo, or a little bit of at least a few more levels that I could have played. But by level 10, I had a pretty good understanding of what the game was, and it was starting to become more complex in the way that you had to complete the puzzles, actually resulting in there being optimal routes or sort of only one solution. Some of the early puzzles, um, it looked like you could find a different, couple of different ways to solve them, which maybe sounds a little weird because it's like it tells you what the numbers have to be, but there's paths that these light or that these energy light things can take. Um, and, and they're shown as like lines connecting the pillars. And in the early levels, a lot of the pillars had multiple connections. So you might have four or six connections to a single pillar. Whereas later on, you know, there might only be one connection or, or two connections to some outlying pillars, which means you have to take specific paths with the, the amount of, of energy that you have distributed around. So. Um, I like games like this. I, I like a good puzzle game here and there. Um, it's got a really gorgeous art style in the, um, the sort of the back, backdrop, um, backdrops. It, it, they feel very much like really good matte paintings from an older movie. Um, before, you know, before blue and, and later green screens were used so much. Um, that's what a lot of them feel like to me or like really good animation from older cartoons Um, is like the quality that I'm talking about here I, I don't know if this art style is something unique perhaps to this region of India or if it just is really pretty and has sort of this mystical feeling to it but, uh, it's good, and the soundtrack is, is very relaxing, which I think is important for these types of puzzle games. There's no time limit or anything like that that has been introduced so far. Nothing other than just, hey, here's a puzzle. Figure out the, the solution to solve it, or, you know, the optimal solution if there's multiple, multiple ones. And, uh, just enjoy what you're doing. So, very relaxing. Um, you can actually buy it now. Um, looks like, uh, it was just being shown off at the show. Um, you can buy it for seven bucks. Um, I think if you like this type of puzzle game, it's worth seven bucks. For me, this feels like a solid like five dollar game. Um, but you know, if this sort of thing is is your bag, then maybe it is worth seven dollars to you. Um, I wonder if this is a mobile title as well. Like I feel like this would be a really good touchscreen game. I'm gonna do like a really fast Google Play search for Mystic Pillar, because I bet if this wasn't because like seven at six ninety nine being the price, this feels like a mobile game that's maybe like three or four dollars, and then you get the PC tax. So, Mystic Pillar, hot damn, four dollars on Google Play. Figures, right? Yeah, but I mean, like four dollars is like perfect. I'm. I'm actually gonna buy this right now on my phone. Like, four dollars is is in there for me. Plus, I've got. I think, yeah, I've got three dollars and thirty nine cents on my Google Play account. So technically, this is gonna cost me like sixty cents because I got this from doing like surveys or whatever. Yeah, I'm still but, sitting um, on like
1: eight bucks. I need to you know, use some of that.
0: Yeah, but I mean, one hundred percent. This is worth four bucks. So, I'm. Uh, I'm on that. I'm down for that. I'll probably be playing this this week. One tap by, uh, yes, please, Google Play. Processing. Done. I just bought it. Mhm. My family payment method is invalid. Huh. I'll fix that later. Yeah. So, the last game, which both of us actually played, um, yeah, because I so-
1: pointed out that it was on there.
0: Yeah, I missed it when I did my first sweep-through, but it's super liminal. Uh, I've seen this game a number of times being shown off on, like, uh, Reddit, you know, gaming subreddits and stuff. Yeah, uh, I,
1: I think I had it pretty much spot on. It's essentially Portal meets the Stanley Parable. Right?
0: Yeah, sorry, I was taking a drink of water. Yeah, that feels very much what it is because there's a puzzle solving element to it, um, and then with the Stanley Parable, like there's just a sort of weird something going on. I don't know what yet, but yeah, it sounds something like going you're on
1: in some sort of research center about dreams, maybe.
0: Yeah, like lucid dreaming, like controlling your dreams. But in the demo, um, you get these messages from the doctor, or a doctor, someone claiming to be, like, a doctor in charge of the research. And he's like, hey, um, you know, if this doesn't wake you up, be sure to not do this stuff. Like, it could be dangerous. So it it seems like something has gone wrong. You're doing some type of experiment, and something has gone wrong.
1: Yeah, because, uh, you know, nothing ever goes wrong in these sort of things, right?
0: Yeah. The whole game was extremely unsettling. Or the demo. The whole demo is extremely unsettling. Like, it certainly is not being portrayed as a horror game.
1: Well, we should uh, kind of highlight what this game is. It's about playing with perspective. So, this is actually, if if I recall correctly, uh, from a source code of uh, Portal 2, where they found this... Hidden tool that they never really showed off, or um, what they, it, or never really got out of the development stage, where it played with perspectives. So, for example, holding up a cube, right? this is something early on in the game. If you put it at your feet, and it could look you know, pretty much like a, a child's uh, letter cube, you know, wouldn't block. However, you pick it up with your and you yeah, move it uh, so it's look like it's off of the distance, but it's huge because of it, and then put it down. It teleports to there, but also becomes that size. But they also play with a different ideas of perspective as well. Like there's one point where uh, it's the that one hallway in. Uh, mm-hmm. Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, where it looks like it's a normal hallway because of the way it's built, but as you go down it, it gets smaller and smaller because it's playing with your perspective. Or there's another one where it's painted on. And if you move a, too far, it breaks the illusion. You can see that it's, oh, this wasn't a 3D object. It was just paint. That sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Which was super cool, and I very much enjoyed it, and enjoyed the puzzle-solving element. I mean, I've never never seen anything like this before in a game. But something about the way that it's designed makes it feel really sort of creepy and eerie. Like, I keep walking around, every time I walked around a corner, I was expecting there to be something there to, like, I don't know, scare me or attack me. But I don't think that this is that at all. I mean, there's no way to attack. There's no way to interact with anything outside of you pick up the object and you can move it around. You know, changing your perspective on it can change its size or whatever. Um, So I don't think that's what it's supposed to be. But it's got a very creepy atmosphere to it nonetheless. Um, Did you get that same feeling off of it? Yeah,
1: it has this odd, creepy vibe. And I think it's just because... It feels like there should be more in the world, but it's kind of oddly silent. There's really no music. There's no real sound effects. It's just kind of oddly quiet. Yeah. And sometimes less is more. In this case, it's playing off this idea of everything seems too quiet, too serene, you know, I mean, even Portal, they played with different uh, music tracks and uh, ideas. Or, uh, Yeah, th- it looks... Oh, sorry, I was quickly looking up. And yeah, it looks like it does deliver, uh, get some of its ideas from Portal. Sorry. Uh, where uh, it's i think it's just simply the fact that it's too quiet it's too clean it's too you know dreamlike which is supposed to be what it is you know
0: yeah and that's the idea that uh good proper like psychological horror and things use to let your brain fill in the gaps with something that's way worse than whatever's there
1: yeah not like you know my little pony right because if you learn, if no. you look on the psychological horror tag it's horrendous.
0: Yeah. Um uh, uh, but
1: yeah, overall I I think this is the best one I played. It just I'm really looking forward to it. It's not supposed to come out till late this year. And I had some very interesting puzzle solutions. I don't want to give too much away, but, uh, toying around with difference different perspective, and making you kind of think outside the box. And also, we, you know, we both flipped all the fire alarms just to see what would happen, right?
0: Yeah. Nothing happened that I know of. But, you never know.
1: But there's also, you know, uh, I, at one point, uh, you hit the, hit an alarm, and the entire world changes, and
0: An alarm clock, by the way.
1: Yeah, an alarm clock. The entire world changes around you like you woke up, but then you're still in the dream. Uh, But watching the demo movie, I mean, it shows exactly what we mean by the perspective changes, where uh, at one point you put something down and it changes to a painting on the wall. Or there's um, a point where you need a block and it's painted on the wall, and you look at it and from a certain point, uh, it pops into existence because it becomes 3D enough.
0: But it, it also...
1: I don't think it's going to be pixel honey in that, where the couple times that they showed that off in the demo, if you got close enough, it kind of drew you in like a magnet to look in the proper perspective. So I think it is going to be a little bit more forgiving, which is something that these portal-like games have kind of uh, missed. Yes, there's an uh, element of challenge, but then again, there's this thing where the portal was had a high skill ceiling, but a low skill floor where it was easy to get through, but if you wanted to get through with style or speed, you were able to do it. And I think this may have the right combination of that as well.
0: Yeah. I agree. Um, I liked it a lot. It's uh, another one of those double thumbs up. Mm -hmm. Um, Don't know how much it's going to be. But uh, I'd probably pay 20 bucks for this pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I'm uh, looking forward to this one. Uh, uh, I just... I hope it doesn't get pushed back too far just because of all the craziness going on. Because, right?
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, and
1: also, I hope it doesn't kind of overstay its welcome as well. Because that's something that Portal was—I uh, had problems with as well. Uh, Portal 2, I guess I should say. Where it felt a little exhausting towards the end. But this yeah. may be able to introduce enough new elements where... Who knows? Maybe we'll be able to actually uh, keep it, uh, keep things uh, fresh for long enough.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. Well, that does it for <laughs> all these games. That took a lot longer than we thought it was going to. Yeah. So much for this um, being a short show. A good, a good hour. I think it's hard to say for sure because we we talked for a little bit before we even started the show, and then uh, talked about random stuff and then gaming PC before we start talking about that, but I I I think we got like a good solid hour discussion of that. But I mean, hey, there was a lot of good stuff available. I wish there were more of those more often. I hope that's something that keeps happening. Maybe not necessarily 40 games, but even if there was 10, 15, 20 games, you know, that would be a good variety to go through and pick out ones that looked most interesting. I mean, you know, each of us did um... We had, what, 11 different games between the two of us? Yeah. There were 40 total that were playable, and then a few others that just had, like, videos um, or, uh, like, trailers and stuff for them. So, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that, you know, we didn't get to. So it would be nice to see it again. Um, But moving on to our one and only news topic for the night. Yeah, mostly because it
1: was uh, posted in Discord, so... It seemed like people wanted to talk about it.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, the official title is GameStop's Coronavirus Measures Are Sorely Lacking, but really, you could just replace it with GameStop is Giant Asshole.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Jimquisition ha- had GameStop rather kill people than die, which I think is a fair thing. If GameStop is shut down for too long, it's gone, because... They are living kind of in obsolescence at this point, except for doing gamey stuff where, uh, you know, uh, your your Funko Pops, your your, uh, cell phone stuff, that sort of thing. They've transitioned away from video games to be kind of a pseudo geek store.
0: Yeah, GameStop has been living hand to mouth for a while now. They've been on the decline year over year. They have um, done things like cut as many worker hours and benefits as possible. Um, they're, I mean, they're bleeding money as is because the gaming industry has changed so much over the last decade or so, and um, they've either been unable or unwilling. I would say more unwilling than unable, but who knows? Like, I can't 100% say that, but they've been unwilling to adapt fast enough you know ignoring a lot of online retail digital potential digital distribution options and doubling down on physical media particularly the used game market which is something that is still going pretty strong but has migrated a lot away from brick and mortar retailers to places like ebay or other exchange sites Um, although i mean digital gaming grows every year combination of um a a big surge in pc gaming over the last decade or so i mean not that pc gaming was ever like on the decline or anything well i
1: thought pc gaming was dead you know just like uh, you know the gamers and everything else right
0: right well i mean pc gaming's been dead a bunch of times so you know this yeah it's back again but i mean pc gaming has gotten easier and easier to get into over the years and um I mean, really, there's no... Console gaming is imitating PC gaming more and more going forward. So... Yeah,
1: I really think... uh, Where was I going
0: with that? PC Master Race? Yeah. Uh, Yeah,
1: The glorious PC Master Race. Don't forget that.
0: Indeed. But, you know, all of these trends, all of these things, and I could go on and on and on with, you know, more and more things, but... Gaming has just gotten very much away from physical media and from the old business model that that GameStop employed. Well,
1: also the fact that GameStop really focused on their used second, third, fourth, fifth, however many times sales, and it's just not feasible on PC, and because more and more sales are going digital, it's not feasible there either. I really think uh, GameStop is just one console generation from death, unless yeah they move on to another you know more geek focused topic. Uh, yeah, I uh, think.
0: Uh, oh, sorry.
1: Well, go- going into the broader stuff where they started to, and but <laughs> it just makes me wonder with the shutdown now, how many GameStops are just never going to reopen because you know they lost too much money.
0: Yeah, I think GameStop was kind of circling the drain for a little while, but I think this is the death spiral. Um, yeah, I think GameStop's done. I I don't think that they're, like, done, like, immediately. Like, I don't think they'll never reopen any doors anywhere. But GameStop, as we know it is done for, they're going to wind up contracting a lot during this. And I, I feel really bad for the employees that are about to lose their jobs, but I don't feel bad for GameStop, the corporation, and the people in charge who have been huge assholes for longer than this. But this is all like of this- the,
1: This is the cherry on top of the asshole Sunday. The fact that uh, they promised, okay, we're going to get uh, uh, clean supplies to all the stores, and uh, 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 all the stores are going to be sanitized. But they never did that. They then said, okay, well, uh, the managers could uh, do that, and they would recoup the, uh, uh, the company, but- uh, Good luck, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's pandemonium out there. Hell, when I went grocery shopping, some of the redneck engineering I saw uh, for... There was a couple people that were just a couple of things short of a full-on bio suit. Or hazmat uh, containment suit. Uh, Because people are scared In well. Like uh, John uh, Oliver said that yeah, it's feels like we're pretty much on our own and it's gotten those that are paying attention, very scared about this. You know, a lot of the cleaning supplies are just simply gone off the shelves and saying uh, to managers, oh, you know, go fight it out, you know, go get uh, something. It's just not going to work. And the fact that they were trying to redefine themselves as an essential uh, Realtor in uh, California, whenever they were sh- really shutting down things there. This is where things kind of came to a head and it just kind of spiraled from there. Uh, saying that they're essential because they sold cell phone stuff. Not cell phones, cell phone stuff. Yeah, fuck you in particular.
0: Indeed. But yeah. GameStop sucks. I just, I couldn't, I mean, the best, probably the best way to go into an in-depth, like, fuck you about all this is to just tell people to go watch the Jimquisition. Yeah. Because he thoroughly tore them a new asshole. Yeah,
1: well, then again, that is Jim Sterling for you. Or Jim fucking Sterling.
0: Jim fucking Sterling, son. Um. But, uh, yeah. Just I, I was I was pissed reading the news articles and and watching, you know how that they had or, were telling mm-hmm. you know store managers and employees yeah, to, uh, to like bring to defy, in their own sanitizer. Or, or
1: to defy law enforcement if they try to shut them down to show them this document saying well we feel we're uh, essential uh, <laughs> stores no you're not
0: yeah you're not although that's interesting to like an interesting sort of microcosm for where the game industry is, like, you know, the law says something they're like, well, we don't feel like it, and then they get away with it. Mm-hmm. Did you see, I think, I believe it was Pennsylvania where GameStop had their business license pulled because yeah. they refused to shut down their stores? Yeah, that this was, yeah, that was hilarious. Earlier last week, maybe like Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday last week. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, you get them. So, like I said earlier, I, I do empathize, sympathize with all the people that are about to lose their jobs. Like, it really sucks. There's no good way to... Well, I should say it sucks you know, for
1: the... I feel bad for the ones that are genuine there, you know, just there to, you know, get make ends meet to, you know, it's their job. There's some people that are there that are kind of... Eh, I don't feel so bad for. You know, the, the ones that are a little cringy, a little... Yeah, right.
0: I guess. I mean, the only ones that I don't feel bad about are the corporate execs that are going to yeah. get their fucking golden parachutes and get out.
1: Yeah, true.
0: I mean, I don't, you know, I might think someone's a little cringy, but if it's your livelihood yeah. and you're just like, a, you know, a retail worker or even like a store manager or something. But, I'm but sure maybe, that...
1: maybe I'm just being a l- little bit, uh, asshole-ish in that one. Uh, whenever I ha- last had the, uh, 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 Sunlink here, the guy that was here was talking about how, oh yeah, I have uh, uh, the gig package myself. Uh, It gets me great FPS on my uh, PlayStation 4. I'm just like, you have no idea what the fuck you're saying, are you?
0: Not a clue. (laughs) It's, um, It's
1: a little harder for me to empathize on that one, you know?
0: Empathy is basically my job, so listening skills, empathy. And also
1: I'm tired, so what can I say?
0: sucking dicks like that's my job there we go brought it back around um, yeah
1: well i'm just more worried that uh yeah waffle house is starting to shut down you yeah, uh, know we're, we're doomed the end times are on us the, indeed the waffle house index Ooh.
0: yep and if you want to learn more about that listen to our franken content when it comes out or just google uh, 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 assuming house that the index. world has an
1: ended indi- uh, yeah that point because I mean, we're looking at the Tokyo Olympics uh, going to 2021 now. Uh, Yep. I mean, what the fuck is going on, right? Uh, uh, we have people looking to President Trump. Someone that looked at a fucking solar eclipse for medical advice.
0: I know what you mean, but the way you said that made it seem like he looked The solar eclipse for medical advice, like sort of like a well. To be fair, that ancient tribal shaman or something. To be fair,
1: uh, looking at a solar eclipse for medical advice is still probably yeah more uh, useful than looking to Trump.
0: Yeah. Um. So yeah, GameStop sucks dick. Yeah, and not in a good way, like you do. No, suck dick real good. So, um, yeah, that was our only news topic we were covering this week. We, there wasn't a lot of news that wasn't about the ongoing pandemic, and we don't want to talk about that any more than we really have to. Yeah, I mean, there I mean, was, we're, we're
1: helping. Uh, there was a somewhat interesting one about uh, maybe Valve coming back to the Half-Life universe again, but uh, that's kind of uh, there's not a lot to talk about there, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. But a big thank you to Cube for linking this originally. Uh, Thanks, Cube. Uh, we didn't use the actual link, but we're using the overall topic. It was a
0: springboard. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, that does it for our news topics. Um. What? Uh, I didn't check. I didn't even check. Do uh, we have any emails no, or anything? No
1: emails, no tweets. So uh, thank you, Cube, for the... Uh, a link if you wish to contribute to VGL Podcast at com or VGL Podcast or the Twitter, or, or find the link to our Discord on VGL com and you can send up there as well as CubeDead. So, with that, uh, doobly do.
0: Yeah, we'll do a quick discovery queue. I know you already had yours pulled up, so come yeah. on, watch your first game.
1: Yeah, well, I'm activating my trap card. Because I got a Yu-Gi-Oh! game. Yu-Gi-Oh! Nice. Legacy of the Duelist Link Evolution. That, so, was there, like two or three uh, uh, subtitles on this one? <laughs> right? So, uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. Build your deck from over 10,000 cards and take on the most iconic duelists from the Yu-Gi-Oh! universe. Relive stories from the original Yu-Gi-Oh! animated series through Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, V-Rains? So, uh... I mean, it's a Yu-Gi-Oh! card game.
0: 10,000 cards is too many for me. I'm an old man now. I can't, yeah, but I yeah, can't but it also
1: it. looks like it's slowly unlocked through an in-game progression system. So, you know, that could work. So, essentially, a living card game, uh, eventually, where you unlock uh, various cards, uh, single-player only? I mean, it looks like... Uh, they may have released the wrong version of the game, perhaps? <laughs> There's some people talking about how... I'm not sure what they're talking about on this. They uh, released the wrong version of the game. Uh, I'm looking at the reviews. Uh, uh, okay, they the initial release, they released the wrong version somehow. I'm not sure if they released the Japanese version or what, but... Uh, it looks like they fixed it in... Uh, well, if you want some Yu-Gi-Oh, there you go, right?
0: There you if go. If
1: you know how to play Yu-Gi-Oh.
0: Which I think I remember how, but I haven't played in a long time. Um, my first game, I actually got one on the first go, City Game Studio. This is another sort of game developer tycoon type of game. Um, you're small game developers starting in the 1970s. Um, build games and grow your game company. This one seems to have a little bit more choice, though, than I've seen in the than in these other types of games. Instead of it being like a straight progression from like your garage to a small studio to a big studio, looks like you can choose like cities to go to and maybe open multiple studios and and things like that. Like it adds, it seems like a bit more. A simulation or management stuff to it, which seems interesting. Um, it's more recent reviews are very positive, but some of the older ones are mixed. It seems like this game has had a a uh, uh, little bit had a little bit of a rocky start. Well, it's still uh, in it early only,
1: access as well.
0: Yeah, it released in early access on the twenty first of last year, so it's been early access for a year, a little year, but it looks neat.
1: It looks like it's also more focused on individual. Uh, uh, developers uh, inside the company as well which is something that I wanted to see is that instead of this being you know three sliders that you adjust it also playing off the uh, interplay of different workers so yeah it looks looks like it could be something I'd uh, want to check out at some point so I got a brawler bleeding edge Grab your team and tear it up in Bleeding Edge, an electrifying online brawler where every fighter comes mechanically enhanced to, uh, for mayhem. Sorry, I accidentally clicked uh, further down. So a uh, you know, an online brawler, an online fighting game, but not quite uh, Mortal Kombat-esque. It's more uh, uh, for honor, perhaps. Only not, you know, more arcadey, of course. I do know that it's also releasing on uh, Windows Game Pass, or Xbox Game Pass, including the PC version of it. So, if you're interested in this, you can check it out there for a
0: dollar, or,
1: you know, five dollars, or ten dollars, or whatever it is now.
0: Nice. Uh, My next one, Starport Delta. I actually haven't seen one of these in a while. It's a Space Station... Builder and maintenance game, um, where that sort of the focus is is that you come into a space station as like a, an advisor and you help fix it, um, throughout the campaign. Um, I used to play a bunch of these types of games and really enjoyed them. Looks like the star base is set on like a hexagonal grid system, so maybe a bit more management looking as opposed to, um, um some of the other ones I've played, where it's more kind of like a, almost like an RTS, or maybe like a city builder, just inside of a space station. This looks like you're dealing with the space station, like, proper, on a larger scale. But, um, it come releases in just two days, so I might see if I could get a review key for this.
1: Yeah, hang on, um, I did get a chance to, th- I was looking at Mon to see what the fuck, because... Oh yeah, that looks really interesting. Uh, there, there hasn't really been a really good Space Station Builder game, has there?
0: No, not in a long time. Um, I'm trying to remember the one that I used to, pay, to play. I have it on a Startopia. Steam, I think. Yeah, Startopia.
1: Yeah, but that's I, ancient at this point.
0: Yeah, I think it came out in like '04. So...
1: Because that's but yeah, what Startopia I was looking for. Yeah, like, Startopia was and, like and the last really good one that I played. And Startopia was more of a city builder than anything. Yeah. I mean, you just happen to be on a space station.
0: Game. Startopia. Install. Uh oh. 566 megabytes. Ooh, boy, that's a whopping game. Yeah, I th- yeah it's
1: going to take you a few hours with your download speed right now
0: it it just might I I remember playing this on like I think it had like three two or three install CDs um because it had like a bunch of uh, full
1: motion video stuff
0: Yeah and also I think it had like um these were back in the days where you could like choose like a light versus a heavy install and if you wanted everything it you had to install it off of I think three CDs
1: Yeah so I got it interesting one. It looks like the uh, kind of wacky uh, mass battle simulator is be- uh, becoming a thing. Or this as a genre. Shield wall. Sort of epic battle simulator meets human fall flat. Um, the game, the the store page doesn't exactly give a lot of information. Control a uh, troop formation while playing as a single character. Enjoy dramatic Sorry, dynamic and fun battles, uh, siege an enemy and defend your own castle in one match. Uh, create your own strategy in a in a game of two to four teams. Feel like real Rome on while uh, passing the campaign based on Caesar's battles. It looks like a sort of a cutesy version of a uh, uh, one of these mass battle simulators, but you're also able to take on more control. <laughs> Odd, but, you know, it could work. Uh, it definitely uh, has the right price point right now. And it looks like this isn't the first game that they've had that's sort of like this. They have another one for Minia, which is a similar idea that I think we covered uh in a discovery queue not too far back, it seems very familiar. Mm-hmm. Only this is a more cutesy version of it, and looks like you're in more direct control of it. So, yeah.
0: Um, cool. So, I got my next one. I'm copy pasting it now. Vest- Vistaria 1, or Vistaria Saga 1 War of the Scions. Um, this looks like a fire emblem. Esque uh, game, uh, turn-based, sort of in, in combat, like a turn-based strategy game, um, but with like a pretty big focus on story and characters, um, and hopefully interpersonal relationships on those characters, because honestly, that's what, in my opinion, made Fire Emblem so good, but, uh, that's what it looks like, and, like, in the features, it's like, uh, over 20 unique characters to recruit with a wide variety of classes, weapons, and skills, uh, multiple difficulty modes, uh, da, da, da. so stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, that means and and things like it. says you get story paths with that vary based on your choices and who survives, so you know, very Fire Emblem esque in its initial presentation. So it it would be I would like to see more games like Fire Emblem. So I'm in for that.
1: Okay, so... I have another city builder because, of course, I need city builders, right? A city building game set in 18th century Ukraine.
0: Interesting. You
1: take on the role of a governor of an 18th century Ukrainian town to challenge your creative skills and management abilities. So, kind of a... uh, shoot I'm, I'm blanking on the on that damn game still have uh, steam install or running so oh it's the city builder that's set in sort of this time as well and I'm fucking blanking on it
0: I don't know I can't remember either uh,
1: but you know what I'm talking about it was uh, developed by one guy yeah uh, processing process it starts with a B
0: I'm looking trying to remember thankfully all of the dead air except yeah. where I'm now talking will be cut
1: uh, a little bit of editing here right yeah a small amount
0: browsing city build okay, so now I'm looking at city builders on steam I'm not seeing anything that rings a bell as I look at this category
1: and Steam is wanting to... Because I hadn't uh, done much with it the last couple of days. days, I guess it's out of cash. So, hmm.
0: See, I don't think you're talking about Banished. Are you?
1: Actually, I am talking Banished. Okay. It feels a bit like Banished on how it looks. Uh, with a bit more depth on it with looks like also some trade routes Uh, looks like a multi uh, uh, city either trading or uh, uh, via the uh, sort of like the guild has only not on the same map Mm -hmm. so some interesting twist on how banished handled things because I was a little disappointed in banished in the long run it felt like it was on the right path but it wasn't deep enough it never really uh, got to where I was wanting it to be. And this, it looks like it's a little bit more in depth. Uh, the fishing boats will actually go off and do their own thing instead of uh, uh, hanging around. Or the fishermen sitting right there and just yep, fishing off the boat or at, off the dock and never really going anywhere else. Uh, active trading. So yeah, it looks pretty good overall. It looks like there's no plans to change the price, so it's going to stick at $25 for the time being. So yeah, it looks like there's going to be more statistics uh, a better trade route with uh, Trade by Sea and by River with regulations discounts. Yeah, they have a lot of stuff they're planning on putting into this. Uh, bu- 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 how long uh, approximately how long will it take to be an early uh, will this game be an early access I won't lie it may take years to make the game what it deserves to be there may be uh, long delays between updates when development meets uh, major design challenges but that's what it takes to create a masterpiece I like this guy already
0: <laughs> uh, Um. yeah uh,
1: that's definitely one to look out for anyway moving along
0: yeah, so I got, um, following the trend of city builders, Atmos City, um, this says it is a city builder that, uh, tests your skills as mayor in a campaign mode with set objectives. Oh wait, no, that's the wrong one. B- Build impressive gravity-defying fi- cities, um, where that physics don't apply. Uh, but it, it looks just like cubes, like people are stacking cubes together in the sky so I don't know. It looks interesting, and if they do something really interesting with, like, weird, non-existent physics, um, then that could be something really cool that could uh, be unique and interesting. But if it's just, like, you take a city map and you stick it around like a cube in space, then that kind of loses some of the appeal. But, I mean, it's it's different. It's intriguing. It's got my attention. It's $12, which is too much for an impulse buy with no more knowledge. But, I mean, I, I could see myself looking into this later. Potentially going for it. Definitely going to request a key for it. Why not? Um, so, yeah. All right. Job.
1: Well, I'm going to throw out a, 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 a simulator. A baseball simulator. Out of the park Baseball 21 with... All sports canceled forever.
0: <laughs>
1: Possibly. Who knows at this point. Uh, I came across this in my Discovery queue, And I actually have a little bit of experience with one of the earlier ones. This is a very in-depth and very detailed uh, baseball simulator. And just over the years, it's gotten more and more crazy. With the, be able to run uh, legacy leagues, run well, what would have been the current season so if you're into baseball or into sports in general and are jumping for you know uh, some sort of uh, sports entertainment this could be one to look at uh, I won't lie I've, I have no idea just how good the current one is uh, I think the one I have in my Steam library from Humble Bundle is several years old at this point and the one I played was like I think 2010, just to goof around with uh, in a demo, if I recall correctly. Maybe. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, if you're... If uh, football manager wasn't your thing and you prefer America's pastime, well, unfortunately, that's the coronavirus now. So, uh, try baseball instead.
0: Right. So, this this is the last game on my queue because I got... Yu-Gi-Oh! Legacy, Bleeding Edge, Shieldwall, and Ostriv. Um, so... But it is another city builder. The Last Haven. This looks like a post-apocalyptic... Nuclear war, specifically. Um, city builder. Where you're building a city and making it survive in the post-apocalypse. You gotta try and revive dead technology make sure your people don't get killed by radiation raiders and mutant creatures and uh, generally just uh, you know build a city so I just thought that was funny yeah so so many city builders in a row yeah
1: well I got sorry I was just looking at uh, this yeah okay Uh, legend of keepers Career of a Dungeon Master. Legend of Keepers is a perfect mix between dungeon management and roguelike. So, this is a roguelike dungeon management game where you're essentially a dungeon master. <laughs> I mean, you play, you, you play the monsters fighting in essentially a DD and d campaign from the, the looks of it. And roguelike's probably some sort of overall progression system as well and yeah I mean it's released just a few days ago you already want it but then again you want everything indeed uh, I mean it's a little bit out of the uh, impulse buy range for me it's 20 bucks normally it's down to 15 so yeah I mean don't really see many uh Dungeon uh, Keeper-esque uh, uh, games, so a nice twist on a uh, uh, genre. Right. So I'm just flipping through. I have a few more on, and got some trash.
0: Trash. Taking out the trash.
1: Uh, fighting game. Let's just skip that. Okay. Uh, well, if your computer can't run Doom Eternal, all right. If uh, okay, if if the uh, Doom Slayer the modern incarnation is just too much for you, how about Doom sixty four? They I didn't realize they released this on uh, PC. Uh, it was a pre order order bonus for Doom Eternal. But for five bucks, you could be the 64-bit version of Doom. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look too bad, right? I mean, it's essentially an no. emulated version. I mean, I mean, not much to talk about, right? It's
0: just yeah. I-, I thought Doom 64. I mean, yeah, right. Which looks pretty all right. I mean, all things considered, honestly, yeah.
1: Huh. Just making sure, no, you didn't talk about this one. Okay. So, as per usual, you know, I, I picked up most of mine in the early, uh, thing, so I'm happy to go through my last bit of cue. So, how about The Last Haven? The world I after was... a nuclear, huh?
0: I talked about that one.
1: Oh, you did? I've, yeah. I, oh, sorry. I looked, that
0: was my last poll.
1: Uh, I wasn't uh, far enough down, sorry. I I, I I was like wait a minute did uh, did you talk about that uh also probably doesn't help that I was adding games into the wrong place so yeah that's where I was screwed up I quickly looked and thought wait a minute I'm not sure why my screen uh, scrolled up but oh well that that's why I was like wait a minute it seems you know. and yeah good yeah, that one's trash as well. So, yeah, that was the end of my queue.
0: Nice. I think it's funny that I got, like, half half of my queue was your queue.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just got a little confused because for some reason, whenever I tabbed off, uh, my entire screen scrolled down. And I thought, wait a minute, you talked about The Last Haven, right? And then I looked and didn't see it, so
0: yeah alrighty well, rage uh with that out of the way, why don't you uh hit him with the socials?
1: Well, I've been caffeine rage maybe you can find me on YouTube someday game with caffeine rage find me on Twitter gaming or c r or if you wish to be my friend on Steam caffeine rage over there as well and you've been
0: gaming psychologist you can find me on the YouTube so by searching for gaming psychologist find me on twitter at jma4707 and you can be friends with me on this on blah, blah, blah. friends with me on steam jarthur4707
1: and if you wish to let him know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from the password for this week is bidet <laughs> yeah bidet <laughs> nice in the land without toilet paper the man with the bidet is well clean indeed yeah, I wonder if this is going to make America really appreciate the bidet now, you know?
0: I hope so. They're very nice.
1: Although, I got to admit that, yeah, last time I went to the grocery store, toilet paper, well, one, they put up a rule saying that you can't buy the entire stock. But two, was in stock. As was paper towels, actually. Got a big uh, thing of paper towels. Just one, but, you know, you need paper towels. As you do, right?
0: Yes, indeed.
1: Especially with cast iron stuff. You need a lot of paper towels. Got a to season, right?
0: That's right.
1: But once again, if you wish to uh, uh, contact us about your seasoning or other uh, voicemails, game-related topics, or just letting us know what you think, Podcast at com, or just tweet us Podcast on the Twitter. Our lovely, lovely patrons are hopefully writing out this thing uh, in their special bunkers. You can find out more at patreon.com slash And if you've somehow stumbled across us and don't know about the website, com, which hosts the show notes, the RSS feed, links to all our stuff, or you can find us on your podcatcher of choice. Our intro and outro music is on the ground by Kevin Mcloyd, and our Discovery Cube music is dubly due by the same artist, you can find his work over at Compretech.com and...
0: As always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, buh-bye now. See you next time.
1: bye